Back to Basics 2.0 Preoperative Patient Skin Antisepsis by Lisa Spruce The role of the perioperative nurse related to preoperative patient skin antisepsis is both essential and multifaceted. Not only do perioperative nurses participate in policy development for preoperative decolonization and bathing, they also facilitate site preparation, including removing hair when necessary and selecting and applying skin antiseptics. Preoperative patient skin antisepsis involves removing soil and transient microorganisms at the site of surgery and reduces the risk of the patient developing a surgical site infection, SSI. Skin antiseptics are designed to rapidly and persistently remove transient microorganisms and reduce resident microorganisms to minimal levels. This article reviews basic concepts related to decolonization and skin antisepsis based on the recently revised AORN Guideline for Preoperative Patient Skin Antisepsis, which perioperative nurses should review in its entirety. Practice Point Decolonization The main objective of decolonization is to decrease the bacterial load of Staphylococcus aureus that resides on the patient's body and in the patient's nares. Decolonization is part of a multimodal approach that can help prevent SSIs that originate from endogenous sources, such as S. aureus, on the patient. Surgical side infections are burdensome to the patient and the healthcare system, and decolonization can be an effective strategy to help decrease SSI rates among patients undergoing high-risk procedures, for example, laparotomy, total joint arthroplasty, for development of SSI. When developing and implementing a decolonization protocol, facility leaders should initially assemble an interdisciplinary team with representation from a variety of departments, for example, perioperative nursing, surgery, anesthesiology, infection prevention, epidemiology, pharmacy, laboratory. The team should examine local epidemiology, procedure-specific risk factors, and patient-related risk factors to determine which implementation strategies may be effective at their facility. Local epidemiological characteristics include the baseline SSI and methicillin-resistant S. aureus rates, and the region's antibiotic susceptibility profile. Procedure-specific risk factors include those procedures that result in severe outcomes if an infection does occur, such as cardiothoracic and total joint arthroplasty procedures. A variety of patient-related risk factors can affect decolonization strategies, including age greater than 65 years and a medical history that includes chronic conditions. For example, end-stage renal or liver disease. The revised preoperative patient skin antisepsis guideline provides a comprehensive list of factors that may affect the choice of decolonization strategies. Before establishing a preoperative S. aureus decolonization program, the interdisciplinary team should evaluate available resources, plan for the need to expand services, for example, laboratory, and purchase required products. The team should determine which implementation strategy, that is, universal, targeted, or blended, will be most effective at their facility. Regardless of the implementation strategy chosen, the interdisciplinary team will need to determine an S. aureus screening method for patients. 
After deciding the implementation strategy and screening method, the team should develop a decolonization protocol specific to the strategies selected. The protocol may require a physician's order. Although current literature does not provide a standardized decolonization protocol, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention recommends the use of intranasal and topical antiseptics or antibiotics. The ultimate goal of decolonization of the nares is to prevent the transfer of microorganisms from the nasal cavity to the skin and surgical incision, thereby reducing the risk of SSI development. Nasal decolonization includes application of topical antibiotics, for example, mupiracin, or antiseptics, for example, 5-10% povidone iodine, octenidine, alcohol-based solution, to the nares. The efficacy of nares decolonization depends on the antibiotic or antiseptic used and the dose of application. Additionally, patients' understanding of and compliance with the application instructions can affect the success of decolonization strategies. After determining the specific protocols for the decolonization program, the interdisciplinary team should clearly communicate information about the program to all involved personnel. The team should 1. Specify the timing for beginning and completing the decolonization protocol. 2. Involve additional personnel. For example, materials management personnel, senior administrators, finance managers, infection preventionists, perioperative nurses, to define the product procurement plan. 3. Create and provide for preoperative distribution of patient-focused education materials that include the benefits of decolonization and the patient's responsibility. 4. Provide educational information on decolonization and its benefits for healthcare personnel who will implement the program. And 5. Monitor the program as an ongoing part of the facility's overall SSI surveillance and quality improvement initiatives. Practice Point Preoperative Bathing AORN recommends that patients bathe preoperatively with either soap or an antiseptic because it reduces transient and resident microorganisms on the skin that could contribute to the risk of SSIs. The findings of a Cochrane systematic review of seven randomized controlled trials that compared preoperative bathing or showering using chlorhexidine gluconate, CHG, with non-CHG antiseptics, showed no clear benefit, for example, decreased incidence of SSIs, when patients used CHG. Perioperative nurses should encourage patients to bathe at least once during the 24-hour period before arriving at the facility, before an operative or other invasive procedure. The nurses also should encourage family members or caregivers to assist the patient if needed. When evaluating products to select for use at the facility, leaders should assemble an interdisciplinary team, for example, perioperative RNs, physicians, infection preventionists, to evaluate and select the preoperative bathing products. After determining which bathing product to use, the team should review the manufacturer's instructions for use, IFU, and create a standardized protocol that specifies the amount of product the patient should use, how many times it should be applied, and how long it needs to remain on the patient's skin to be effective. The team may collaborate with information technology personnel, 
to develop electronic reminders related to preoperative bathing for both patients and healthcare personnel. The team should work with healthcare personnel to develop patient education materials on the preoperative bathing product and its use. The materials should address activities to avoid after bathing. For example, applying alcohol-based hair or skin products such as lotion or cosmetics. The education materials also should include specific instructions for patients based on the location of the planned surgical site. For example, patients who will undergo procedures on extremities should maintain clean and natural nail surfaces. If the axilla will be part of the prepped surgical site, the patient should avoid applying deodorant. If possible, patients undergoing head or neck procedures should wash their hair to decrease resident scalp flora. Patients undergoing shoulder surgery may benefit from applying a topical benzoyl peroxide gel with or without clindamycin. The topical medication has been an effective acne treatment and significantly decreases cutibacterium acnes, formerly known as propionum bacterium acnes, which resides in the sebaceous glands and hair bulbs of the dermis and is the main cause of SSI's after-shoulder procedures. Practice Point Hair Removal To help prevent patient skin trauma and the associated risks of developing an SSI, perioperative personnel should avoid removing hair at the surgical site unless there is a clear indication for doing so. Hair removal may be required when the hair will interfere with visibility of the surgical site or wound closure, when drapes or dressings will not adhere properly because of the hair, or when perioperative personnel plan to apply a flammable skin antiseptic that will saturate the hair and create a fire risk. Perioperative personnel should instruct patients not to remove hair, and patients may appreciate leaving hair in place. When it is necessary to remove hair near a surgical site, perioperative personnel should remove the smallest amount of hair possible. In addition, they should use clippers or depilatory methods, as opposed to razors, to minimize skin injury. Perioperative personnel should remove hair near the surgical site as close to the beginning of the procedure as possible, and avoid removing hair in the OR or procedure room whenever possible. If it is necessary to remove hair in the OR, personnel should use a wet clipping method or vacuum device to prevent hair from becoming airborne. Perioperative personnel should use clippers and depilatories according to the manufacturer's IFU. After removing hair, a staff member should document the name of the person who removed the hair, as well as the location, method, and time of hair removal in the patient's health record. Practice Point Antiseptic Application An interdisciplinary team, for example, perioperative RNs, physicians, infection preventionists, should consider the needs of diverse patient populations as well as surgeons when determining which perioperative skin antiseptics to use in the practice setting. Perioperative personnel should select the appropriate skin antiseptic for the patient before transporting him or her to the OR or procedure room. Because alcohol provides effective bactericidal action, AORN recommends that personnel use an alcohol-based antiseptic unless such use is contraindicated. For example, patient-related factors, location of the surgical site. However, alcohol is short-acting, 
so personnel should use it in combination with an antiseptic that provides a persistent and cumulative effect. For example, CHG, povidone iodine. There are conflicting study results on skin antiseptic efficacy related to various surgical sites, so interdisciplinary team members should review the available evidence before deciding which antiseptics to use for a specific surgical site. Other purchasing considerations include the availability of single-use packaging and tinted solutions that will be visible on a variety of patient skin types. Before selecting an antiseptic for a specific patient, perioperative personnel should review the patient's allergies and skin sensitivities. They also should consider if the patient is susceptible to iodism, that is, iodine poisoning, related to burns, thyroid disorders, pregnancy, or lactation, which can result in an intolerance to iodine or iodine-based antiseptics. Personnel also should assess the surgical site, including its location, the presence of any hair near the site, and the skin integrity. When caring for neonates, perioperative personnel should be aware that this patient population is at an increased risk of skin irritation, chemical burns, transient hypothyroidism, or iodine-induced hyperthyroidism from the use of iodine-based antiseptics. Application of surgical antiseptics helps reduce the microbial load and inhibit regrowth of microorganisms on the patient's skin at the incision site. Perioperative personnel should apply antiseptics according to the manufacturer's IFU, using a standardized surgical site preparation protocol that should include any skin preparation required before application of the antiseptic, use of sterile technique, and patient safety measures to prevent injury. Perioperative personnel should verify removal of jewelry before applying a surgical skin antiseptic. In addition, they should verify the surgical site and its cleanliness, clean the site if contamination is present, for example, umbilicus, and isolate areas of high contamination, for example, stomas near but not included in the surgical site. Perioperative personnel should use sterile technique when applying a skin antiseptic. A non-scrubbed perioperative staff member should apply the antiseptic and should complete hand hygiene before donning gloves to do so. If the applicator is long enough to prevent contact with the staff member's gloved hand, then he or she may wear non-sterile gloves. The staff member should use sterile supplies and apply the antiseptic from the incision to the periphery, keeping in mind that drape shifting or incision enlargement may occur during the procedure. The perioperative staff member should discard the applicator when it contacts a peripheral or contaminated area and use an additional sterile applicator if needed. When completing skin antisepsis on areas with varying bacterial counts, the staff member should apply antiseptic to the area with a lower bacterial count first, for example, skin away from a stoma before the stoma itself. When preparing two separate surgical sites, for example, abdominal, perineal, the staff member should use two antiseptic applicators or setups and apply the antiseptic to the site with greater contamination first. Perioperative personnel should adhere to the manufacturer's IFU, for example, amount to use, drying time, when applying any surgical skin antiseptic, and especially when using pre-filled antiseptic applicators. In addition, personnel should use radiopaque sponges to apply the antiseptic 
if the solution is not contained in an applicator. They should apply antiseptic to fragile tissues, burns, or open wounds using gentle friction to avoid causing injury. In addition, the staff member should verify that the antiseptic covers all appropriate surfaces and prevent prolonged contact with skin not directly in the surgical site. For example, prevent pooling, remove material near the patient that contacted the antiseptic. When completing an oral prep, the staff member should prevent aspiration of the antiseptic. Conclusion Preoperative patient skin antisepsis involves decolonization, preoperative bathing, hair removal, and antiseptic application. When developing a preoperative skin antisepsis protocol, an interdisciplinary team should consider local epidemiology as well as procedure-specific and patient-related risk factors. The team should consider available evidence that supports strategies to decrease SSIs, such as the recently revised Preoperative Patient Skin Antisepsis Guideline from AORN. After developing the protocol, the team should educate healthcare personnel, who will be responsible for implementing the protocol, on the required skin antisepsis activities. In addition, the team should monitor compliance and patient outcomes to determine the effectiveness of the protocol. This Back to Basics 2.0 article contains four knowledge checks. I will now read the first knowledge check for the practice point, decolonization. As part of an SSI prevention program, organization leaders requested that Lien, an infection preventionist, create a decolonization protocol for perioperative patients. Lien realizes that she needs to convene an interdisciplinary team and asks Dr. P, a surgeon, Eugene, a perioperative nurse, and Dr. N, the surgical pharmacist, to participate. During the first team meeting, Dr. P volunteers to create a list of procedure-specific risk factors, and Eugene volunteers to identify patient-related risk factors. Leanne indicates that she will gather data on local epidemiology and Dr. N volunteers to research available decolonization products. At the next meeting, the team discusses their findings. Upon review of procedure-related risk factors and patient-related risk factors, the team determines that their patient population is at a high risk for developing SSIs. Dr. P recommends patients undergoing open orthopedic surgery, for example, total joint arthroplasty, open fixation of traumatic lower extremity fractures, spinal fusion, cardiovascular and thoracic surgery, and neurosurgery be included in the protocol. Eugene volunteers to create a checklist of patient-related risk factors for the protocol. Dr. N states that he identified two nasal decolonization products and an oral treatment that are already stocked in the pharmacy. The team finalizes the protocol at subsequent meetings and begins the implementation process. In this scenario, who did not follow the practice point? A. Eugene B. Dr. P C. Dr. N or D. Leanne I will now provide the answer. In this scenario, Dr. N did not follow the recommended practice point. I will now read the second knowledge check for the practice point, preoperative bathing. Perioperative nurses 
Maria, Lizette, Paolo, and Saul. Call patients a few days before surgery to review preoperative expectations and instructions. Maria contacts a patient scheduled to undergo a craniotomy and tells him to bathe the night before and the morning of his surgery using the recommended CHG-based solution. When he asks if he should shampoo his hair, she tells him that he can wet his hair but a shampoo is not necessary. Lizette contacts a patient scheduled to undergo wrist surgery and recommends that she shower the morning of her surgery. She further instructs the patient to remove any unnatural nail surfaces, for example, gel polish, acrylic overlays, before arriving at the hospital. Paolo contacts a patient scheduled to undergo open abdominal surgery and instructs him to shower the night before and the morning of his procedure using the recommended CHG-based solution. He instructs the patient not to apply lotions or creams before coming to the facility. When Saul calls a patient scheduled to undergo a shoulder procedure, he tells her to apply benzoyl peroxide gel to the skin on her shoulder two evenings before coming to the hospital, shower the night before the procedure, and avoid using any deodorant on the operative axilla. In this scenario, who did not follow the practice point? A. Saul B. Paulo C. Lizette or D. Maria I will now provide the answer. In this scenario, Maria did not follow the recommended practice point. I will now read the third knowledge check for the practice point, hair removal. A perioperative team that includes Dr. K, the surgeon, Dr. L, the anesthesia professional, and Pierre and Rosa, RN circulators, meets in the preoperative holding area to plan the care of Mr. D, who will undergo an abdominal procedure. As they discuss the planned surgical skin antisepsis and draping, Pierre mentions that the patient's abdominal hair may prevent the drapes from adhering to the skin properly. When Rosa suggests using a depilatory cream to remove the hair, Dr. L mentions that she has already sedated Mr. D and that he is unable to discuss any allergies or sensitivities to the product. Dr. K instructs Pierre and Rosa to transport Mr. D to the OR and to use a razor to shave his abdomen after induction of general anesthesia. Pierre reminds Dr. K that the materials manager only stocks clippers because of the risks for patient injury and SSI development associated with shaving with a razor. Pierre also mentions that it would be better to complete the hair removal in the preoperative holding area. Dr. K agrees that Pierre can use clippers, but instructs Pierre to transport Mr. D to the OR immediately and then complete the hair removal so that the start time is not delayed. In this scenario, who did not follow the practice point? A. Dr. L. B. Dr. K. C. Rosa. Or D. Pierre. I will now provide the answer. In this scenario, Dr. K did not follow the recommended practice point. I will now read the fourth and final knowledge check for the practice point, antiseptic application. Perioperative nurses, Luis, Katya, Molly, and Dom, are completing preoperative patient skin antisepsis for each of their patients. Before beginning the skin prep for a patient undergoing hand surgery, 
Luis performs hand hygiene, assesses his patient, and verifies that no jewelry is present. He also observes his patient's nails are dirty and cleans them with soap, water, and a nail cleanser before applying the antiseptic. Katya realizes her patient has a stoma located in the surgical site, so she performs hand hygiene, dons sterile gloves, and applies an antiseptic that is safe for mucosa to the abdomen, exterior to the stoma, and then preps the stoma last. Molly's patient will undergo a laparoscopic-assisted vaginal hysterectomy, and therefore Molly plans to use two separate surgical site preparations, one for the abdomen and one for the perineum and vagina. She completes hand hygiene, dons sterile gloves, and preps the abdomen first. Dom's patient will undergo knee surgery, and he arranges to have another staff member hold the patient's leg for the prep. After completing skin antisepsis, he removes all of the antiseptic-soaked materials from the planned surgical site and reminds the perioperative team members to wait a few minutes before placing the surgical drape to comply with the manufacturer's IFU for the required drying time. In this scenario, who did not follow the practice point? A. Molly B. Dom C. Katya or D. Luis I will now provide the answer. In this scenario, Molly did not follow the recommended practice point. 